Jesus said to the disciples about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of uh, Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man, the fully human one. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the human one. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken, one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man, the human one, is coming at an unexpected hour. The Gospel of the Lord. So I think there's natural human curiosity as to when our personal end might be. Although I think when asked to vote, most people would rather not actually know. And then, of course, I think there's always curiosity as to what our collective end might be, if there ever, in fact, is one. Uh, two weeks ago, so uh, two weeks ago, I mentioned that like only two percent of the gospel material has anything to do with kind of the apocalyptic end times uh, thinking that was so very common uh, in jesus 's time, but we had part of that material two weeks ago from uh, luke chapter twenty one and now that we 're in matthew 's gospel for the year ahead, uh, Advent always begins with one of those sections as well, and in both cases, Jesus goes out of his way to say. Uh, I, I understand why you might worry about that or think about it or uh, wonder what it might be like, but it's not yours to know. It actually isn't even mine to know. Uh, it really is only God's. And, and therefore, since you have nothing you can do to control it, all you can do is work to be ready, which means you have to wait and you have to watch. How good are you at waiting and watching. Is that, a, is that a fulfilling activity for you or a frustrating activity for you? If you're stuck in traffic, if you're stuck in a checkout line, I don't think it's particularly fulfilling. I'm not sure that's what Jesus is talking about when he talks about waiting and watching, however. To, to him, I think those are actually very active and fulfilling quests. So maybe think of it a little differently with these two really simple of examples. Uh, I always think of our son David when he was between two and four years old. Barb and I were doing this little commuting thing, and she was going to uh, school in Madison, and I was working as, uh, as a pastor at the uh, Keel Chilton New Holstein Mel uh, Metroplex up in central Wisconsin. Uh, I, I love that place. Uh, anyhow, so we were doing this commuting thing, but we found what we thought was a really cool uh, preschool uh, in Madison, and so uh, Michael was down there Mondays through Thursdays, and they'd always take one of the city buses uh, so Barbara could get to school and so Michael could get to school. And where they caught the bus, you could see the bus way down the road, and it would have two stops before it got to their stop. And Barb honestly can't ever remember a time when they waited for that bus when when David was not actively engaged in, in jumping up and down. He was so excited the closer and closer the bus got, and it never failed to be exciting to actually get on the bus. There's got to be something in each of us for whom waiting is like that, where you get more excited as it comes closer, and it can happen a hundred times, and it's still kind of cool. But 
If that, an example of that in your own life eludes you, maybe a different example like this one works. Uh, anybody ever been stuck in an airport during a flight delay? That's a super fulfilling experience, right? <laughs> it is, it is. If you're by yourself, and you're kind of disengaged from the world around you, maybe not, because eventually you're going to run out of podcasts and list to listen to and emails to answer, and then you eventually kind of nod off, fall asleep, and then they announce your flight and it departs while you're still taking a nap. That's frustrating. That's not productive waiting. But maybe you're like uh, the uh, Unity uh, groups coming back from El Salvador who end up having a little flight delay someplace, and, uh, you know, you've been on this, this trip together for a week, and, and you do the logical thing, which is you get out the last pretzels that you've been carrying with you for a week, and you start sharing them with everybody in the group, and then you get out the deck of cards that's kind of a little bit uh, moist at this point from spending a week in El Salvador, and most of all, you clean out a place on, on the floor in the, in the airport waiting area because all the carpeting there is immaculate, and you can practically eat off as it's so clean. So you sit down on the carpeting and you start playing cards. And it's actually kind of ends up being like the best part of the trip. Because by this point, all pretense has passed. You know everybody on that trip. And it's kind of fun just to wrap it up waiting and being together. In other words, waiting and watching. It's not as if in, in life as if we can't and shouldn't sometimes be alone, maybe even a little bit bored. But when Jesus says, wait and watch for, for my coming, uh, he's not talking about sit there by yourself and twiddle your thumbs in frustration, waiting for the traffic jam to resolve itself. What he's talking about is wait and watch and be an active and aware and engaged, if not in everything that's going on around you, then selectively in a little bit of it. So we're in Advent now, leading to Christmas. Christmas, of course, is, is coming. We're kind of stuck with Christmas at some level. By that I mean, of course, the secular Christmas, which has spun wildly out of control from its religious origins. I'm not sure we can actually do much of anything about that at this point. But we can take the mass out of Christmas, if not the mass merchandising, then the mass anxiety, I think, that people feel about being different at Christmas than they are the rest of the year. That's a mistake. Don't do that. I mean, seriously, if you don't get together with other people the rest of the year, why do it at Christmas? If you aren't a gift-giving sort of person the rest of the year, why do it at Christmas? In other words, why mess up Christmas, which is God's good news to us, by, in a sense, trying to make up for or screw up what we don't do the rest of the year. If you're really going to live Christmas well, you got to live it the rest of the year. And if you haven't lived it very well this year, that's okay. That's what grace and forgiveness, and that's what the birth of the Lord is all about. But take a step back from trying to manufacture something and, in fact, receive it as the gift it was intended to be. Has there ever been peace in the world? Ever been peace in any of your relationships? Yeah. I think the answer is yes. Not always, but I think sometimes. So our first lesson is, is an extraordinary thing, really. Um, it's written 2,700 years ago. 
And, and it, it starts this literature known as Isaiah that the gospel writers and Jesus uh, are thinking of at some level all the time. And, and the, the beginning of Isaiah is to say that there will be some time, and this isn't poetry, this isn't meant literally, but there'll be this time when everyone streams to Jerusalem. In other words, to a place that somehow represents the presence of God in their lives. And they will stream there not because they are dragged there uh, as the defeated in some war or as people to be enslaved by someone who has conquered them. They will all stream there, and what they will come for is, is the knowledge that that place represents. They, they will come someplace where they will learn something. And what they will learn is to change the things that that hold us back the most. And in, in, in Isaiah's eyes, that was to, to turn your swords into plowshares and your pruning hooks, your spears into, into pruning hooks. In other words, the thing that dominated his war, world more than anything else was the destructiveness that war represented. And he said it is possible for us to learn something different and better. And every once in a while, we as human beings, in fact, do that. If not between nations, then sometimes between people who previously seemed unable to coexist in the same room together, or once had and no longer can. Neither shall they learn war anymore. When and if that ever happens in your life and mine, the result is this amazing light with which God created the world in the first place. Advent is for actively watching and waiting. And I think it's for not having our past understandings of ourselves or Christmas dictate what the future will be. I don't know what your personality type might be. On, on one particular spectrum, maybe you're, you're, you're either a planner or you're not. Uh, which one are you, a planner or not? I'm the not, by the way. I'm just being, just being clear with all of you. Uh, if you are a planner, as you think of Christmas this year, uh, if you're a little OCD even, can you let part of it go? Not plan it all for everybody else? Not feel like if it's been done before, it has to be done better this year? And in fact, if you don't plan it and it doesn't happen, will that be a disaster? Will it maybe possibly even be better? Or if you're not a planner, which is probably the other half of the audience, um, and you always find yourself saying, you know, for sure I'm going to attend to this particular relationship or situation this year at the holidays. Going to deal with it then. And of course, because you don't plan it, it doesn't happen. And, and then you get to the first week of January and you're, you're frustrated that once again, a, an opportunity uh, not only slipped through your fingers, but it's farther away than, than ever. If you're not a planner, you don't, you don't have to suddenly you know, come up with a 
10-page checklist, but to plan one thing, one person, one moment, that really matters, maybe I should do that this year. And if you're like me, maybe you could join me in that. Ages ago, I used to be a runner, and, and one of the things I loved about running was kind of the rush you get at the end, especially if you're competing in, in something, where if you've got a little bit left at the end, you can push it out. And even if you don't win, there is something about having some energy left at the finish line that's really cool. And, and perhaps, whether you are at all athletic or not, you can, you can relate to that in some other part of your life, to have a little something left at the finish line that is exhilarating and life-giving. Watch and wait, not passively, not as if you have no power over yourself or this world, but also with an awareness that you shouldn't try and control it all or keep replicating the past. Because the awesome thing about Advent and Christmas is that it is a gift. And you got to receive it. And you shouldn't try too hard to control what it looks like. Happy New Year, people. Christmas is this far away have just a little something extra left when you get to the end.